Get Weak. Welcome to the Rotating Reels podcast. I'm your host, Keegan Tran, and with me are my co-hosts, Taylor May. Hey. And Hank Showalter. Yellow. So this week is a B week. We're watching a movie that I recommended for everyone. Uh, and that movie was 2019's Waves, directed by Trey Edward Schultz. We're going to do our traditional formula. We're going to talk about what we've been watching, talk about the movie, and then go into spoilers. And I think there's going to be a lot of good conversation about this movie, specifically in the spoiler section. But before we get into that, what has everyone been watching? Let's start with Taylor. I, pretty light week for me. I finished Dairy Girls, um, which was bittersweet uh i'm really looking forward to a next season i think they were gonna do it but it got suspended due to covid um but i i had one little little tidbit i was uh watching it and i um actually texted a mutual friend of all of ours who happens to be northern irish and we were talking about the different characters and things and she was telling me about subtext that i just totally missed so the father of um in the, the kind of main family that we're following. Apparently the grandfather hates him because he's the father's from Southern Ireland. So everybody else knows that. Every Irish person watching that knew that. I had no clue. I just thought he, so there's all kinds of subtext that uh, I'm kind of looking forward to picking up on um, if I ever rewatch it that I maybe missed before. And then other than that, I watched a terrific movie. It's called No Man's Land. It's one that I saw because I was looking for Nomad Land. It's great. It's um it's set during the Bosnian Civil War. It's a dark comedy. It's about two guys, opposite sides, a Serb and a, and a Bosniak. They get stuck in a trench together in No Man's Land. Um, so it's really funny, really good. Um, all the acting's incredible. There's got, I mean... I think in the movie you're having main scenes with like people of seven different nationalities. So different languages, different stuff. Really, really cool. Highly recommend it. I think that's it for me this week. Nice. Where's uh, where's no man's land available. Is that on Amazon? Amazon. Yeah. It's 2001. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a, Bo- it's a Bosniak director. Um, and I think I read it was his like debut film, which seems incredible to me because wow. it was I, really a masterpiece. And the ending is perfect for, I won't spoil it, but it's perfect just for that conflict in general. The whole thing was just tremendous. Nice. Wait, and Taylor, sorry to go back. You, you might've said this in the first one. Can you explain the premise of Dairy Girls? It, I would not have expected it was an Irish show hearing the title. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, so Derry uh, or London Derry, depending on who you ask, is a city in Northern Ireland um, that's kind of right on the border and um, was a famous hotspot for the Troubles where Bloody Sunday happened. So hmm. the show follows a group of teenage girls um, at an all girls, you know, Catholic school while all of this is happening in the background. Um, and so it's it's really funny. Um, it takes a couple episodes to understand what the hell anyone is saying. Like, legitimately, there were whole scenes where my partner and I would look at each other and, and say, like, do you have any idea what anyone just said in that scene? <laughs> it's not an exaggeration. Um, but it's 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 really interesting. I mean, they, they do a great job covering really, really difficult, sensitive content through not the, not, not necessarily the eyes of teenage girls, but like through their experience. Um, so, yeah, a yeah. really big fan of it. Nice. Yeah, and then last question. So I know last week you stumbled on two incorrect movies for Nomadland. You've watched the Bosnian one. Do you plan to watch the really scary one where a guy shoots an immigrant kid? Is that on the agenda for a I future don't, week? 
I don't know. Just the, like the one little sentence blurb is like a guy in Texas kills an immigrant child and then has to move to Mexico to himself become an immigrant. And I was like, I don't know about that premise. That doesn't that doesn't seem like. Yeah. So, no, I think just I think I'll, I'll stick, stick with, with the gem did. I found. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. Nice. All right. Hank, what'd you watch this week? Yeah. So I had a, a pretty full viewing week. Um, I'm going to start with TV. Bob's Burgers, uh, the new season, has just had episodes start becoming available on Hulu. And just want to say the new season of Bob's Burgers is so far, or I guess not not the new season, actually. It's, it's a continuation of a season that was on hiatus. But the new episodes of Bob's Burgers are just as good as the show's ever been. Would recommend if you're not watching Bob's Burgers, get on the train, watch those new, uh, those new episodes. Um, and uh other than that on tv i started watching a new like competition show called forged in fire and it's like a blacksmithing competition um and yeah you know it's kind of fun to watch like you see a bunch of people like swinging hammers at hot metal um they make weapons and then like throw them at things or chop things with them uh I, i don't know i don't know anything about about blacksmithing so i can't say like if anything they're doing is difficult or if it's cool or not but uh it's fun to watch um definitely enjoy that one it's on netflix um it's actually a little bit confusing as a new viewer because the first season available on netflix is listed as season one but i think it's actually like the sixth or seventh season and all of the contestants in it are like former contestants that didn't win so I came in and they're like, we're looking for redemption. <laughs> and I'm like, from what? <laughs> what did you do? Watching... Blacksmithing's had a hard couple hundred years You're watching here, Forged man. watching Forged and Fire All-Stars, Hank. That's the problem. <laughs> you jumped in. So uh, yeah, now when you watch a regular season, they're going to seem really bad. Yeah. Because you were watching the pros before. Yeah. but So anyway, that's been entertaining. Um, and then last thing I watched was a limited series, uh, like true crime documentary on Netflix. I believe it's called Murder Among the Mormons, but it's about like uh, some murders that I, I don't want to spoil too much, but some mur- murders that happened that seem to have relations to the uh, the Mormon like document collectibles community, like people that collect like like ancient Mormon or not ancient, but you know like uh, antiquated Mormon documents supposedly written by like Joseph Smith. Um, so anyway, interesting stuff. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of true crime about Mormons, so that was an interesting place to be. Um, and it, I, I thought it was pretty well handled. They kept me interested through all three episodes. Uh, I think they interviewed people from both within and without the Mormon community. Uh, so you kind of got a, a couple different uh, sides on it. So all, all in all, interesting stuff. I, I'd probably recommend watching that one. Um, and it's only like an hour, 20 minutes, like all three parts in. So that's pretty oh, nice. easy. I actually watched that first episode. I totally forgot about that. But Hank, if you like Mormon true crime, you should read Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer. It's Ooh. incredible. Yeah, I could be interested in that. Um, you know, it's just like such an interesting community to see true crime about because, you know, normally I don't really associate Mormonism with criminal activity. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but besides that, I also got a couple movies in this week. Um, one of them was another true crime documentary. Uh, Haley's a big true crime fan, so uh, she's recommended a few to me. And this one was called, I believe, Abducted in Plain Sight. And I, I can't really say anything about it without 
really spoiling it but it's a wild fucking ride and like most of the people involved are still alive um so you know you can watch it without like really being worried about being scarred by like you know horrible murder pics or something but there is some sensitive content so you know like uh do whatever research you feel you might need to do depending on your level of sensitivity as a viewer but definitely watch it if it seems like something you could be into because it is wild i'm not a huge documentary fan but the whole time i was watching i was like what what the fuck they he did she they what um wait what's it called what's it called this is sounding really cool um abducted in plain sight or abducted from plain sight um abducted from plain sight. anyway it's about an abduction uh, and it's on uh i believe either hulu or netflix so i'd have to look it up um but uh worth nice. worth a watch would recommend it to either of you and uh, last thing on my weekly watch list, um, you guys may or may not know, if you don't know, uh, it seems like a massive oversight on your part as friends, but um, <laughs> you may or may not know that I'm a pretty big fan of the Tremors movie series. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a big Graboid guy. I like the Shriekers. I like the Ass Blasters. I like it all. You know, they decline <laughs> in quality, but they... They keep making them. What's not to um, like? But so anyway, I recently, I hadn't seen until now the sixth Tremors movie, A Cold Day in Hell. And <laughs> I mean, my girlfriend <laughs> said she wouldn't recommend it. And she's also a Tremors fan. But I'd recommend it because like they, they kind of set like a new low for the series in terms of the writing. But they also somehow <laughs> do it with like a pretty decent budget. <laughs> so like the effects are like... <laughs> considerably better than they're they are in some of the other tremors movies but then there's also stuff going on that you're like why the hell like so it's called a cold day in hell you expect the movie to be in like an arctic hellscape right um but in yeah. reality there's a heat wave in hell so they just shot it in the desert um and so it's just like the same exact setting as every other tremors movie except they're wearing long sleeves and pretending to shiver <laughs> like, okay i want to watch yeah, this now. So, uh, is this the and, netflix one uh, no, that's the most recent one, Shrieker Island. I still haven't seen that one, so I don't want to call it. <laughs> oh, Shrieker my God. Island. Um, but uh, A Cold Day in Hell, yeah, it's, it's entertaining. DARPA's the bad guys, um, so uh, all good stuff. If you're uh, if you're listening and you want us to uh, record a live commentary as we watch the movie, because um, I don't think we can actually like record the movie audio. That'd probably be some like copyright infringement stuff. But we can record our own reactions to it. So if you want to listen to us just uh, shit on the Tremors movies in real time, <laughs> I th leave a comment and maybe we'll do that. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, it won't take much to get me to rewatch the entire Tremors series. <laughs> Um. Basically, if a single person emails us at rotatingreelspodcast at gmail.com that they want this, <laughs> your wish will be granted. Yeah, it's going to come out next day. Okay, don't, don't, don't hold me to that part. But, you, know, you get the idea. I've only seen the first one. Yeah, oh, you're same. in for a ride. Oh, you've only seen the first both of you? Oh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Hank, Hank Weeks just got booked up. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway. It's just all Tremors. Yeah, if you're a Tremors fan um, and you're comfortable with the uh, decline in overall quality of the films, watch A Cold Day in Hell. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Would that you say, was... Is the decrease in quality, is it like purely monotonic or is it like some of them are good and it's just kind of like a wash or is it just well, monotonic? I, I think it's like, you know, like you start out with tremors and you've got like a solid, like, you know, kind of wacky Kevin Bacon movie. Right. Um, yeah. And then you move on. It's to, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, in the first one. 
Do you not remember this? I, I was a kid when I yeah. saw it. I don't I don't remember that at all. Yeah, so ah. anyway, you got young Kevin Bacon, and then they're like, okay, we lose the star power completely in the second one. Let's get rid of Kevin. <laughs> um, and it just goes no down from there. Um, there's like one guy they managed to get back to come they managed to get to come back for every film he's the guy that plays uh bert gummer i don't remember his name but he's you know like the libertarian gun nut from the movie um very entertaining <laughs> he remains entertaining throughout the series but he's the only thread holding it together like you really get the impression that it's just like changing hands with every installment and the new person's got like some friend they want to cast in the main role um so <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I think Does it the... decreases pretty steadily from the first one. Like, there might be, you know, like, like it might not be, like, at the same rate from movie to movie, but it's downhill. Sure. Okay. Right. <laughs> did, this is a bit of an aside, but did you guys ever watch um, the Starship Troopers, like, sequels they made? Oh, wait. I have no, not seen a single Starship Troopers movie. Yeah. <clears throat> don't do not do it. I, I So, I, I, I'm a big... Um, uh, fan of the book and, and Robert Klein in general. It's Robert Klein. Heinlein. I'm pretty sure. Heinlein, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I loved I loved the movie because it was this, you know, really, really, really weird take on that book. And then I watched the second and third ones. I, I hope there's not any more than that, but it's just terrible. It's just the worst <laughs> thing you've ever seen. It just makes – I'm sorry if you're a listener and you like the second and third Starship Troopers movies, but I feel like you got bigger problems to worry about if you like those movies <laughs> than the movies themselves. All right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a pretty big Starship Troopers fan. I wasn't even aware there was a second and third, so I'll be sure to steer clear of those. But don't do the same for Tremors. It gets worse and it gets better at the same time, you know? Um, but uh, anyway, that's my week in viewing. So I guess with that, Keegan, what have you been watching? Super, super light week for me. Uh, and I can't even Ooh. talk about half the movies I watched. So I only watched two things this week. Uh, as soon as we finished recording last week, I watched Judas and the Black Messiah. It's getting a lot of like award season buzz. <clears throat> and I think Daniel Kaluuya just won Best Supporting Actor. He's either Best Lead or Best Supporting Actor um, for the movie at the Golden Globes like two weeks ago. Um, it's one of those movies that's kind of like Wonder Woman. It's like in theaters right now but it's also has a 30-day release window on hbo max so if you have hbo it's free to watch there um which i'm i love this new service like i'm not going to be in a movie theater anytime soon so being able to see like a brand new movie based off a subscription i don't pay for is pretty awesome <laughs> um <laughs> but i mean for the actual movie it was great i mean lakeith stanfield and daniel kaluuya are like absolute superstars they're in like huge points in their career right now they're so charismatic on screen, but um, I mean, I, the big thing to me is just there's a lot that I didn't know in general about the Black Panthers and a lot that is like hyper specific to the Chicago, you know, branch of the Black Panthers in this certain era. Um, and I think it does a good job of contextualizing like, hey, you know, a lot of the things these guys are doing are not necessarily great, but it's kind of it, it's very, very shades of gray throughout. I think it, it you know. If it has an, uh, an antagonist that's a little goofy, that falls on the FBI, which I don't think there's anyone on this podcast that's a huge FBI lover in any way. So uh, I really enjoyed it. It's a little long. It's about two and a half hours, um, but it's really enjoyable. I mean, you just have like these huge actors on screen that are just like chewing on scenery for, for that whole runtime. So I liked it a lot. It was pretty brutal towards the end uh, as it follows real events, but uh, definitely something worth checking out. And then... 
The other movie I watched was actually next week's review. So I'm not going to say much at all about it, but I was super excited about Raya and the Last Dragon coming out, and so I couldn't hold on, and I watched it. Um, I won't say whether or not I liked it. I will say I am going to watch it again for review. I kind of watched it without any kind of like critical thinking hat on the first time. Not that most Disney movies need like intense analysis when you're watching it anyways, <laughs> but I was not watching it in the frame of mind of rotating reels when I watched it. Uh, but in, in light, I enjoyed it, but we'll get into that next week. Dude, you spoiled next week's nice. movie. <laughs> We're going to take two weeks off. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys, rotating reels canceled. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, but it was a pretty light week. Uh, overall, both movies were great. Uh, and I think unless anyone else has something they just miraculously remembered that they watched over the past week, I think we're good to jump into the main review. Yeah, yeah let's I'm do excited it. for the main review. Let's let's get there. I'm super excited about this as well. I mean, I had said this a couple times. I love this movie, and we have a text thread that we were going back and forth on. And I don't I don't know if these guys were as warm on it uh, as I originally said. So I'll just introduce the IMDb blurb like I usually do. Uh, so the movie is written, Traces the journey of a suburban family led by a well-intentioned but domineering father as they navigate love, forgiveness, and coming together in the aftermath of a loss. Given the movie, and now that you've all seen it, I think it's a huge task to write anything about it without giving away some pretty big spoilers. And so I think because of that, we'll probably keep the non-spoiler section pretty light. But I guess with that, Taylor, you went first. Why don't we do Hank? What do you think of the movie? Yeah, so like Keegan said, I think it's really difficult to say anything substantive about this film without spoiling it. Um, so I'm not going to say too much. Um, I'm going to say on like super, super surface level stuff here. Um, so first of all, in terms of visual style, I was in love with the movie. They did a lot of playing with colors, uh, you know, lots of like, you know, full, full reds or full blues and frames, which is really cool. Um, visually, uh, even though it's a very different m movie, it kind of harkens back to some of like the, uh, 1970s giallo films out of Italy. So super into that, loved that. Um, I think the acting was pretty top notch all around. Um, I, uh, it, like it, it, so much so that I actually almost struggle to like pick out standout actors from the film because i thought they were all really believable um yeah. so i probably won't name a standout actor at any point in this this <laughs> review but that's not because they're there there isn't good acting it's all very solid in my opinion um and i think pacing wise uh was the only area um structurally that i had any issues with the movie um i thought it was for the most part pretty well paced um, but kind of the final act of the film dragged on for me a little bit. Uh, but we'll get into why during our, our spoiler review of the film. So overall, I think it's very masterfully made. I think it's a really interesting watch. Um, oh, I totally forgot to touch on the, uh, the soundtrack and the score. Um, oh. It's got an original soundtrack yeah. uh, that's mixed in with uh, like some contemporary hits. Um, the soundtrack's done by Trent Reznor. Or actually, he might have just done the original scoring. But uh, when I saw that, I was actually not very excited because I kind of think Trent Reznor is a hack. Um, I've seen the Nine Inch Nails live, and I left. Hot take, hot take. Um, yeah, I, I saw the Nine Inch Nails live once and left two songs into their set. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, so anyway, I saw his name, and I was like, fuck. 
um but uh no the soundtrack actually turned out really well i loved the contemporary songs they picked uh like out of out of you know the mainstream culture and they blended it really really well with the original scoring so that kind of blew me away um was one of the highlights of the film so overall visually it looks great the sounds are great um a couple pacing issues for me uh the acting is really good and i'm gonna wait to see say what i think about the plotting in the spoiler section so overall i think technically great achievement awesome 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 taylor what do you think i don't i don't have much to add actually um that, that was kind of my takeaway the soundscape in general is incredibly overwhelming in a good way um it's really really evocative the cinematography too they use this kind of twisting camera in a lot of shots with the cameras spinning around and um it, it, they just really, really built an environment and a vibe through the combination of the cinematography and the sound. Um, and the, the use of contemporary music is maybe one of the best uses I've ever seen of contemporary music in a movie. Um, it, 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 in some ways it was easy because you know they're focusing on people that would be listening to this music in real time. It feels like a very current movie in yeah. that way, um, but not, not to take away from it at all. The acting also incredible. Everybody, the young man, I, I will call out the young man because um, I, you know, we get the most time with him. Um, but the the daughter is also uh, really good. Uh, but it is a tragedy as a rule. I'm not really a fan of tragedies. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't enjoy the experience. I didn't really yeah. love the movie. I have a lot of questions about why you would make this movie, um, but that's all kind of spoilery. So I don't, I don't want to get into that. Um, but if you're just looking for, like you said, a masterwork in terms of all the pieces of a movie, I think this definitely fits the bill. Yeah. And I guess like, yeah, I totally agree with all that. And I, I, I think that objectively speaking, like whether you enjoy this movie or not is largely a question of taste. I don't think there's anything that we yep. can say that's like, this was a misstep. Um, or maybe Taylor disagrees on this one, but I think that, uh, you know, largely like, I feel like it, whether or not I liked the movie, like if I was the correct audience, I would have. And I think the correct o- yep. audience exists for sure. Yeah, no, no missteps at all. I just don't know why you would tell this story, I guess, is is, is mm-hmm. kind of my biggest complaint. But we, we'll get into that with spoilers. Yep, so, Ke- no, Keegan, um, anything you'd add to all that? <clears throat> no, yeah, I really, really like the part of the soundtrack. It's like, uh, I had actually seen a lot about the movie before it came out, which I don't think is an ideal way to, like, go into the movie. I think it's <clears throat> it's a really good movie to go in completely blind with, in my opinion. But it's, it's set to that Frank Ocean song that plays at the end. And I think, so- soundtrack-wise, it's this very contemporary mix that is, like, perfect for, like, kind of this... Millenn- like, it's it's very hip-hoppy, it's very modern, but it's, like, to this sensibility of, like, a little bit of an older dude that's, like, in that millennial range, right? Like, I think it still has, like, all those Frank Oceans and Childish Gambinos and, like, songs that <laughs> we would kind of recognize, but not, like, as, as like, youthful as the kids probably would be listening to in the movie. I don't know if that, that takes away at all, but... <clears throat> uh, yeah, no, overall, I think I agree. It's, like, very much a movie that on a technical level is is really hard to fault in any way it, it really just comes down to your personal sensibilities and so hank is is not known for being punctual at all he's actually always late to everything and while we were waiting for him in the pre-show taylor and i were gossiping about the movie and uh, we were just kind of saying that like suspiria is to me what i think this movie probably was to you guys like it's a, i think it's a movie that's like incredibly <laughs> well made and 
you know, you could technically look at it and say it's, it's all composed very well. Everyone does their job to a T, but whether or not you like it or it's to your taste is kind of the deciding factor there. And when you look at this movie and you scroll through like Google reviews or the IMDb reviews that are like user submitted, it's eight, nine, tens or two, three, four. Like people, mm-hmm. you know, it really tends to be mm. kind of polarizing in that way to like a general audience. Uh, but overall, I, I don't think, you know, it's 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 a big secret that I absolutely love this movie. Well, I'm I'm actually willing to be convinced, Keegan. I like okay. I'm not I'm not willing to be convinced that I'm gonna all of a sudden be the lover of tragedies, but I am sure. willing to be convinced about why you think it is a a good tragedy. I guess I guess. Okay. Yeah, cool. and actually, we... one one last Sorry. thing. Um, just I want to talk to your point on Suspiria. I was actually a little bit surprised that you brought it up because I think that from a technical standpoint this movie succeeded in all the places Suspiria failed. And I say that as like a big fan of Suspiria. I think that there were a lot of things Suspiria tried that this movie did. Um, So overall, I think this is a technically better movie than Suspiria, even though I'm, you know, more of a horror guy. So I'm always going to tend to prefer something in that direction. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's That's a a really interesting observation. Yeah. Cool. Any last thoughts? Are we good to jump into spoilers? I'm ready for spoilers. I want to talk about this movie. Okay, Taylor? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> okay, I have a little bit of a blurb. I kind of I don't know if people watch the movie, so I think it's really important that we introduced exactly what it is that happens in like that makes this such a movie that's difficult to talk about without spoilers. So just introducing the events of the movie, it's really talk difficult to talk about without talking about the split that happens right in the middle. So you guys have talked about the son being kind of the breakout actor. His name's Tyler. We kind of exclusively follow him through the first half. Super demanding life. You know, he we see his relationships with his girlfriend, Alexis, his family, his really, really kind of like domineering dad played by um, Sterling K. Brown. And we kind of like follow him through his arc where he suffers a really, really brutal shoulder injury that puts him out of wrestling for the season, potentially the rest of his career. And it strains his relationship a lot with his father who trains him a lot. And then his girlfriend tells him that she's pregnant and she wants to keep the baby. Sends him into a little bit of a self-destructive pattern. Starts spiraling, drinking, abusing pain pills that he had for his shoulder and that his dad had for his knee. The night of the school dance, he gets drunk and high and he tries to leave the house. He's stopped by his stepmother and his father. He pushes his father to the ground and injures his knee that's already hurt. Goes to the party, finds Alexis, his ex-girlfriend. She's understandably pretty put off by the state he's in, and then she tries to go back into the party. They get in a little bit of a disagreement. She starts slapping him, and he kind of snaps. And in a moment of rage, he punches her. She falls to the ground, bleeds out, and then she dies at the hospital. And then we have a five-minute sequence of Tyler trying to run from the police. And this happens exactly at the halfway moment. So I guess, now that we're in spoilers, what did you guys think about Tyler's story exclusively? Yeah, so, Taylor, you don't mind if I start? No, 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 you go first. So it was interesting to me because it, it was a story that uh, I couldn't really relate to at all, just like from personal yeah. experience, which isn't a fault of the writer or anything. It just, I wasn't there in high school. Didn't play on any sports teams. Uh, my parents weren't super demanding of me. Um, didn't, you know, <laughs> didn't have any girlfriends or anything. Uh, did, you know, didn't didn't do that much partying. So like, most of the things it showed were just really not part of my high school experience. Um, so, you know, following it, uh, the, the first half of the movie almost like almost, almost kind of lost me. I was like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, some sporty kid in high school. This is a movie for sporty kids in high school. Um, yeah. 
But then we get to the breakdown scene uh, where he ends up killing his girlfriend. And that whole scene is just... It's done with crazy camera angles, really oppressive music. They're doing really weird things with the color. Um, it, it's just like a total like sensory overload in, in a clearly yeah. intentional way. And uh, it was like so awesome. Like that like one scene, like it kind of also, you know, was kind of in stark contrast to the rest of his arc that, you know, like seems like fairly controlled and organized, you know, like he's like, you know, hanging out with friends, going to practices, training with his dad, hanging out with friends. Yeah. Then we have this like total, you know, audio visual clusterfuck overload. And uh, so I wasn't that into his story, but the way they mm -hmm. concluded it really sold me on like seeing where the rest of the movie went. Um but so, yeah, overall, like the story wasn't super entertaining to me, but its conclusion kind of sold me on it. Yeah. Taylor, how'd you feel? <clears throat> um, well, so then the first five minutes I was trying to because uh, Keegan, you had you had told us that uh, when you first saw the movie in theaters, you wanted to walk out for the first half. You were not into it. Um, sort of similar to what Hank's saying now. And then by the end of the movie, you left and you were just crying so much. You were embarrassed. You didn't want people to see how much you were crying. <laughs> um, and so in the first five minutes, I'm trying to figure out what caused that reaction in you. I'm trying to see like, yeah. okay, why was he bored in the first, you know, whatever. And so my first, like literally within the first five minutes, I thought, okay, this is uh, Spring Breakers meets Vision Quest. <laughs> And you guys both said you hadn't seen Vision Quest. It's a 1985, I think 85. It's a real 80s movie about uh, a wrestling team in Spokane, Washington. Uh, the main character is he's a kid, and he, he uh, wants to wrestle the best guy in the state, so he's going to drop two weight classes. So this is like a cult favorite movie for wrestlers. I'm I'm not a wrestler, but I was I've heard this from wrestlers that this is like all the you know high school teams get around and watch this movie because it's like we're going to spend 20 minutes watching this kid cut weight. That is yeah. something only wrestlers want to watch, yeah. right? Um, but like Madonna's in the movie, she like has a cameo where she's singing in a bar doing karaoke or something. Like it's a real trip of a movie. I actually like the movie, but I, by the end of it, I was like, yeah, I think it is kind of Spring Breakers meets Vision Quest. That it it is you know this high school centered thing, and then crazy shit happens, yeah. which is the Spring Breakers kind of side, and it is in South Florida. Um, and you know, kind of what I said pre spoilers, all the pieces of the movie. This like you were saying, Hank the that scene with the use of sound in that scene is incredible. The use of the, like all of the camera work throughout the whole movie is great, but that scene in particular is just, it's so powerful. It's so overwhelming and oppressive in that it's forcing you into this environment. But I just, I don't know why we want to be in that environment. So for me, if I'm watching something that's difficult to watch, whether it's a, a tragedy or, or something else, I, I want there to be a reason I'm going through that, right? I want to learn something. I want to, um, if it's, you know, historical, I want to see the facts of what happened, or I want to um, imagine what my I would do in that situation myself. But everything in, that happened in this movie when this when Tyler's life begins to fall apart is all stuff I feel like I knew already, right? Like, I, I knew South Florida was wild. I knew that. I knew that opioids can be super dangerous, that most people get into them um, through pills at first, so it's not, like, straight to heroin. I knew that social media is terrible for high schoolers. It's well, terrible for everybody, but especially high schoolers. <laughs> I knew it only takes a six-foot drop to kill you, right? So, like, the fact that, you know, I... 
all this stuff just didn't seem like anything new to me. And so I just don't really want to sit through feeling terrible for no real reason. And that was, and that's that's kind of how I felt was that, you know, we only get five minutes at the end where everything seems kind of fine, right? And it's not just the tragedy of Tyler. It's the family reeling and falling apart because of that. And we get some nice little vignettes of the daughter that seem nice, but it's just bookended by terribleness on either side. Um, I mean, what, what else what else happens in the movie, right? Oh, I like... The fact that Tyler's life fell apart seemed to make sense, right? Everything that was important to him was removed from him in a pretty small time frame, right? Everything that was a support system or a source of, uh, I mean, like his hobby even, right? All these things that were meaningful to him are taken away. And so, like, yeah, people can be self-destructive when you take those things away. Like, that, that seems pretty... That seems pretty straightforward. So I just... That, that was kind of my takeaway is why am I being told the story what is the point of telling me the story other than to make me feel bad yeah i i can kind of echo that you know like taylor said um the the point was kind of unclear to me you know like i i felt like i was getting the point of like the fall from grace in the first act um and i'm not entirely sure i got the point of the second uh half of the movie um but you know you you get to that scene and while I think it's super impressive and I, and I actually really enjoy the scene for that purpose, it feels like the whole first half of the movie was kind of contrived to get us there. Um, yeah. you, you know, like it, it didn't seem like, you know, here's something that could happen to you so easily. You know, it felt like, you know, we've contrived a series of miseries to bring us to this calamity. Because, you know, like your girlfriend being pregnant, that happens. But like it doesn't usually happen like in tandem with like a life shattering shoulder injury you know and like the shoulder injury was even in multiple stages it wasn't just that he yeah. pushed himself too hard while wrestling it was revealed that there was some pre-existing injury that he hadn't even realized he had and then he also pushed himself too hard during wrestling um as a result of you know like not telling anyone what's going on and then also his girlfriend was pregnant it just it, you know to an extent without there being like a more like clearly stated purpose for like why all of these things were happened happening it just felt like kind of like contrived suffering to an you know to an extent yeah and just before you jump in the other thing that felt like that to me um was in that scene when he's trying to leave um the house to go find his um girlfriend and i'm keegan i think it's interesting you called her uh his ex-girlfriend because so in that text exchange they had um where she you know blocked him and dumped him and he I'm not defending him at all, right? You know, he's typing in all caps, which is a big no-no, and, and everything else. But I, you could kind of see, not, not kind of where he's coming from a little bit, that, like, if I was told that somebody uh, was pregnant with my child and then they didn't want to talk to me anymore, I would be, you know, I would still like to have conversations with them about that. I would not take a lot of pills and then go confront them at a prom. But <laughs> but, um, but in that scene, excuse me, when he's um, trying to leave the house, uh, we learned that this mother of his is apparently not his real mother, that his real mother died. And like, maybe it was with drugs or something. There was like some kind she of vague allusions to that. That's what, the, yeah. that's what Emily says uh, later. Yeah. Okay. So not that vague. Um, <laughs> but I, but, but I, you know, we say that and I'm like, oh great. Now, now we're, we're reeling this out. And it just seemed like that was just there in order to create drama in the family for the second half of the movie. Yeah. So that, that's all I was going to add. That yeah. It felt a little contrived to me. Completely fair. I think, so I think you guys are like bringing up 
and I agree. Like, I think I've seen this movie three or four times now. I still consider it a favorite, but I like I agree. When you watch end to end, that first half is it's it doesn't get any easier to watch, and it doesn't feel any more rewarding narratively. You know, watching further. I mean, I knowing that we were going to review this, I went through the IMDb trivia, and like it, it is fun to like you know notice things and, and see things like visually. But I agree, it's it remains harrowing on each subsequent rewatch, and I think. I'm curious you guys' take on this. Like, if we had condensed the movie, instead of being this kind of weird two-arc structure, and we had maybe Tyler's story at the beginning, you know, that happened, that, you know, about 45 minutes in, that's when it happens as opposed to an hour, and then the final two acts in it follow a more traditional structure of what we have with the sister and the family, and we give them a little bit more time to breathe. Do you think that, you know, maybe narratively would have made you like it a little bit more? I think... To make me really like the narrative of the movie, there would have needed to be a more sizable overhaul. I felt like Tyler's sure. whole arc could have been its own movie. Or uh, his sister, uh, what's her name, Emily? Emily's mm-hmm. whole arc could also have been its own movie. But, you know, with Tyler's arc, you know, just kind of being the first half and then just kind of launching off into everyone else's story, um, it, it, it kind of seemed like... I, I wasn't really figuring out what that meant for Tyler, who was the only character I had spent any time getting to know. And if there was going to be a point from that, you know, after following him for an hour, I kind of would have liked to to see what it was for him. And then the, sure. the second half of the movie kicks off from the tragedy. And I didn't really feel like I needed to see the actual tragedy to get whatever the second half was trying to say. You know, I kind of felt like, you know, suddenly I'm, I'm in here with all these not new characters, but characters I haven't spent a lot of time with, and they're being portrayed mm-hmm. fairly differently than they are in the first half of the movie. Um, Ronald, at least, becomes a bit more sympathetic of a character in the second half, which I, you know could have been intentional, but for me it made it a little bit hard to invest because you know the first half, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting anything more of that. And then the second half, I'm like, why are we here after we just spent like you know an hour with Tyler and like saw his, like it it just felt kind of like two stories to me and like while they are related i'm not sure they're the same story sure mm. yeah hmm. that's interesting yeah i again like i i obviously know that real world tragedies happen and there is no point right that you know people die as we see in the movie people die of cancer all the time and there's no reason behind it there's no lesson to be learned there's no light at the end of the tunnel right it's just a shitty thing that happened um and i i get that i just think if i'm i I just don't know how you could change this story in a way that would make me want to watch it i i just Mm -hmm. would need something else something more to kind of make it feel worth all the emotional agony you're going to go through um maybe if they had had the daughter's stories um you know more family stories happening in parallel with tyler's story like maybe the first half didn't need to be all tyler all the time um or i don't know something else but as it is i just it just it just was a bummer it just was a bummer and i don't you know, there got there's enough. We've, we've all had enough bummers in the past 18 months. I don't I don't want another bummer with no purpose to it. So, yeah. but, but Keegan, I really want to hear why why you disagree. Why you think this was this was a, a good example of kind of the tragedy uh, genre? 
Yeah, and so again, I don't know if this is like enough that it's going to change your guys' opinion. I think it's it's more on like I think it connects on a very personal level. Um, but yeah, so after you know Tyler, you know, kills Alexis, and we move on, we get a little bit of like courtroom drama and the family trying to scramble and figure it out. But then, so like you're kind of you don't know what's going on. You don't know who are we going to follow next. You check the runtime. You're like, holy shit, we have another hour left in this thing. Where are we going to take this thing? Um, and then it super quickly just becomes the Emily show, right? It's all about his sister. We had seen her. I mean, she, we know that she shares a room with him. We know that she's a very caring sister. When he comes home and he's, he's pretty drunk, right? She cares for him and she she is really like affectionate and, and loving for him when he needs it. Um, but otherwise, she's, she's pretty out of the story. Um, and so she's kind of dealing with that. She deletes her social media because kids are being mean to her. And then she starts a relationship with a boy named Luke who is um, a wrestler who's on the team with Tyler. And he's, you know, super dorky, nice kid. I don't know if the actor is that, like, dweeby and awkward and teenage but, I mean, if he's not, he's a super convincing actor. Um, yeah, he pulled it off. So, <laughs> I mean, he was great. The dialogue, I mean, it was written well, but it was, I mean, he performed it great. Um, but we, we learned to find out that Luke is estranged from his father. His father was abusive and alcoholic. He's dying. Emily is like, let's, we, you know, he has a week to live. Let's go see him. It's a two day drive. And so she encourages to go see him before he passes away. So it all kind of becomes this arc of her learning to forgive. She has a fishing scene with Ronald, which I think is kind of the high point of the movie where he, you know, apologizes to her. And he's shown to be this very proud character throughout. He kind of humbles himself. He just cries to his daughter and, and, you know, tells her he was too hard on them and that he probably realizes that he was complicit and, and pushed a lot of the events that actually happened with Tyler. So I'm already tied in. I'm, I'm very fascinated by seeing Ronald change and evolve. But then what like really struck out to me uh, is the relationship between Luke and his father and seeing how Emily becomes a force of hating her brother, moving from that and having the character change to say, like, when, when things like this happen, we have to respond with humility and empathy and grace and you know, these awful, awful things happen, and I'm sure he treated you horribly, but, you know, the reality is that you have potentially, you know, seven days, five days after we drive to see him and spend that time with him and, and have a little bit of forgiveness and send him off with that note. And so when I saw the movie in 2019, my uh, my own dad had passed away two years before that. Very similarly, you know, he was not like an abusive drunk, but there was definitely some like a lot of anger that I think a lot of young men hold against their fathers at times. And so... I think that is like really, really, oh shit, sorry, Jesus. That's one of the things that like really, really struck a chord with me personally. Um, yeah. 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 Huh. No, and I can, I, I will actually say that uh, of the two arcs, the Tyler and Emily arc, I thought that the Emily arc was kind of more effective for that reason. I felt like it was going somewhere. Um, her engaging with Lucas and his father I thought was the, the 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 closest to a point that I think the movie got, and I think it actually got there pretty well. Um, like I could see how like her kind of giving advice to Lucas, telling him to see his father, and then kind of witnessing those few final days. I could see how that kind of helped her deal with the the, the loss of Tyler and the anger at Tyler. Um, so yeah. I do think that that was like one of the most effective parts of the movie. It's just like like I was saying earlier, you know, I felt like it could have been two movies. And that's the movie that I would have wanted to see. I don't feel like I needed to see everything Tyler had done in such detail to get there personally. 
But, you know, like speaking to what you're saying, I do think that that particular aspect of the movie, Emily forgiving Tyler, uh, Emily, uh, I think forgiving Ronald, if I read that scene right. And then Emily kind of teaching Lucas to forgive his own father, even as she's learning to forgive herself. I think that that was impactful. It was clearly purposeful. And I thought it was really solid. Um, It's just that, like I said, I think like if I were to watch this movie, that's what I came for. So like the first hour is kind of supplemental. And if you're, you know, especially if you're kind of sensitive to that sort of imagery, it seems upsetting without necessarily adding to the impact of that whole Emily arc. Um, And I I mean, I think hmm. you, you kind of, like you you kind of straddle this line of like do we because i mean uh, typically a movie would just push that into exposition or we'd have maybe a five minute scene of showing her you know visiting her brother in jail and having you know i can't believe you killed your girlfriend two years ago just kind of brushing under the table so i think in opposition to that i think it goes full in on devoting you know Mm -hmm. almost over an hour of runtime when you know again maybe it could have been shortened truncated not shown as in such excruciating detail so i think that's you know completely fair Mm -hmm. So, Keegan, would you say that you liked that second arc, the Emily arc, and especially as involved her boyfriend's father more than the Tyler arc? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I, like, okay. you know, even going back and, and watching it each subsequent time, like the Tyler arc, I still, you know, you can see where he's coming from, but it's uh, he's just such an unsympathetic character. And, you know, it's like Hank was saying, when I was watching it, I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, I do, you know, I get it. Like, there are certainly these kids whose parents you know, push their sports to be their livelihood and are, are so hard on them because they didn't have certain things growing up. Like, I mean, it's really common in a lot of immigrant families to, to be, not saying that they are, but, you know, to be hard on someone to say you have a lot of access to things that I didn't. And so, I mean, it's interesting in its own right, I guess, but it's, I just really didn't care as I was watching it. I think, you know, the, the interesting watch on the first half to me, and I think, Hank, I'm curious to your thought on this. Uh, the director of this, Trey Edward Schultz, also directed It Comes at Night, which is pure, like, a family-based horror movie. And I think a lot of the kind of horror elements that he honed there really come into play in Tyler's arc. And that's, like, what made me personally interested in it. So I watched it with headphones. Like, you know, that that score, man, it bounces between ears. It's really claustrophobic mm-hmm. and, and it pretty, pretty scary when you're mm-hmm. watching it. Yeah, no, that was actually... I didn't actually realize he had he had done it comes at night. Um, I, I think you mentioned it last week and it just slipped my mind. But uh, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the Tyler arc, um, I did bring up earlier that I thought that that scene that concludes it is really is you know really well done. And unlike Taylor, you know, like it, it's uncomfortable, but I enjoyed it just for the spectacle. I can kind of get there even if something's making me feel bad. But I thought that scene was like almost a masterclass in horror cinema. Um, because it achieved what I think a lot of horror is going for, which is to, you know, just like really shake you and jar you and like make you, you know, feel something that if it's not fear, it's kind of akin to fear. Um, And so, you know, like whatever horror chops he developed in It Comes at Night, I think that they definitely paid off in that scene. But I don't know if I feel like they paid off through the entirety of Tyler's arc, because like I said, you know, like upon first, first watching it, you know, when you don't know what's coming, to me, it just kind of watches like a high school drama up until that moment. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's the thing, too, is that, you know, when for me, the, the, the second arc was actually diminished because of the first arc, because when they're having that fishing conversation, right, and, and they're both blaming themselves. I just like as an outside observer, 
I was like, I mean, I don't think this was any. I don't think this was anybody's fault. Those two people in particular, right? Mm. The father and the daughter, right? I I guess he pushed him, but he even says, you know, I didn't pick wrestling, and wrestling's not exactly a lucrative sport to go into. So I just I didn't really feel like it was the environment in general that caused that to happen, caused Tyler to do that. I think it was a combination of crappy things happening at the same time, and you know when he kills um his ex-girlfriend uh, he did he wasn't trying to kill her clearly right but he did not think that was gonna be the consequence so it seemed like even though what he did was totally wrong and i think there's obviously a good legal argument for why he's guilty of some form of of manslaughter or, or you know negligent homicide or whatever i'm not a lawyer but <laughs> I just, I just like, it just seemed like a lot of bad accidents, honestly, like a, a lot of bad circumstantial stuff. And that kind of disappointed me because I'm sure there are people that are in jail for life or on death row or things like that, where it would be really interesting to see the story from their side of it. Right. And this one didn't really seem like that to me. It just seemed like, like if, if, you know, if she hadn't fallen awkwardly the way she had and hadn't died. That and and then you know maybe he uh, went to jail for assault maybe like or you know probably not actually I, it would just it would just be like okay so that's that's Tyler now he's gonna be pretty bummed and has to find something else to devote we his life to yeah yeah so it kind of it kind of just seemed like and I you know when the climax is coming you know something's happening so I'm thinking okay is someone gonna die is is he gonna kill the father by accident and then when he punched her I was like this is it and then she's dead I'm like yep that's I mean I just I just couldn't even get that serious about it because it just seemed so obvious that we're gonna need something pretty fucked up in order to get to the second half of this movie yeah right like I thought maybe he was gonna get shot by the cops I actually thought you know when he's in the house after he's uh, killed her and he's getting all his stuff together he's gonna run from the cops I thought he was actually gonna run out to try to get shot by the police like you know suicide by cop I thought that'd be a much neater bow on the whole Tyler story than we see him once again and he's just sitting in a jail cell and we never get to hear from him again. He's just gone, basically. Yeah. It's like, why even why even keep him alive then if, if that's just what we're going to relegate his character to? So the fact that that's what happened in the main arc really just made it hard for me to get invested in the second arc. Like, I wanted to say, when that scene, when they're crying, I wanted to say to both of them like this is not your fault like yeah you pushed him i don't think you pushed him hard enough to kill somebody like i don't think this i don't think this is your fault and i felt like i mean not to diminish their grief at all like i wouldn't say this to them in person but i it just man it just seemed like they're really taking that way more personally than they should have and obviously it's his son and you know that's i can't imagine what it'd be like for a parent to know that your son wasn't in jail for the rest of their life but I just, it seemed like objectively, this was not their fault in the slightest. So when they're having these really important moments about forgiveness, I just like, it didn't hit for me because it didn't seem like it was relevant to what actually happened. Yeah. And I guess kind of as, as an aside to that, you know, you said that it kind of diminished the second act. I think that for me, the second act was kind of diminished by the fact that it wasn't the whole movie. You know, I felt like they, they could have used mm. more time to develop all of it. They did. And I think it could have been done well, but they didn't, you know, they used too much of that time on montage, um, which looked great to mm. be fair. But the other thing is that the, the first arc, you know, is like fairly flat, you know, Tyler's arc is fairly flat until that climax and then they just drain you. And by the time I got to the second act, like 
I had been, you know, like, like the, the, the climactic scene is a really long scene. It goes on for a long time, which I think is an inspired decision, and they pulled it off really well. But to have another hour, hour 15 minutes of movie after that, I just, I, there was nothing left in the tank for me to, like, really kind of, like, reach out and touch the subject matter with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was a really mixed almost, metaphor. Well, but <laughs> I guess I wonder, too, if that's, like, you know, almost kind of an intentional decision because it would seem to me right like it, it helped me kind of get in the shoes of the family character because i agree like you're you know you're running on fumes by that point you're emotionally just spent by the time that that um tyler actually goes to prison and it's you're realizing how much more time you have left in the movie and, and i think that is kind of the perspective of the family right like they they still have to keep going on and like in a very you know micro way we have to keep going on with the movie and keep potentially putting ourselves through more pain you know seeing them have to deal with it is almost just as difficult as like what you know transpires in the first half so i think like it's it's long and it's a little overdrawn but it's it's intentional and in that it's keeping you there and putting you in their headspace of like, hey, we still got to wake up and we still got to go to his court hearing and potentially see him get locked away. Or we got to, you know, wake up and still participate in this marriage that's really falling apart. Yeah. You know, okay, now that we've been talking, I think what might have what might have uh, redeemed the movie for me is if, if we have the whole Tyler thing in the first act um, and then we get to see the family put it back together. Right. Seeing because, like I said, we it's only the last five minutes where everything seems to kind of be like it's going to work out. Right. And I think, yeah, so I, th- I think if we had spent more time with the family trying to fix and even, it doesn't have to be fix anything. Right. Maybe the parents get divorced, whatever. But just seeing them progress through that grief. And but instead, you know, that first that first little that first little vignette we get of uh, the daughter going on a date, I think it is with, with her boyfriend Mm -hmm. was really nice. It was, it was obviously well done. Everything in the movie is well done, but it was just a total departure from the hellscape that we were in. And that would have been okay, except that, you know, the next scene she's back talking to her, she's overhearing her parents and they're arguing about their marriage and, and whatever else. And it's, it just, it didn't, it, it felt way too early for that, and I would have liked stuff like that at the end. I would have liked us to see the family kind of recovering who they were prior to this tragedy, but we don't really get that except at the very, very, very end. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that last five minutes, they really do try to, you know, put a bow on everything. And I, I wish that almost in some way they would have just chosen to have a little bit more of that kind of gradual baby steps because i think that's what a lot of it is right it's like where the first part is like death by a thousand cuts and then we're just like you know rebuilding a house brick by brick is like the the theme of the second half kind of thing and it seems like it it really stays true to this you know straight downward trend and then it's slow build up oh and then it spikes up at the end and you know the parents are getting you know alexis's parents are getting their their uh, some kind of like solace out of it by visiting a grave and we get a lot of things kind of coming together maybe faster than it organically would have so you know i don't think that's like an unfair criticism mm-hmm. at all yeah and the only reason i feel like i'm i'm not nitpicking but like focusing on that was just because that first act is or the first half is just so brutal right yeah. and I, I i can stand it if you give me something really rewarding on the other side of it but the fact that it didn't get to that you know like you said if you're imagining 
the if you're imagining a line graph of what's going on the recovery is real flat like we are making teeny teeny little progress and getting everybody whole again and then at the very end it, it's just this huge spike up um and that just didn't feel rewarding enough to to have put up with that first half which was just a south florida's wild man i don't know what else to say that's that <laughs> uh, was my takeaway from that first half of the movie <laughs> Yeah, I guess, like, I kind of feel the same as Taylor on this issue, but I also feel like, well, first of all, there's a, an element of subjectivity to it all, you know, like, I don't think that my opinion's the be-all, end-all. I don't think that because I feel that way, the movie is not rewarding for someone, but uh, there's a big part of me that feels like, you know, maybe there's an audience somewhere, or, you know, maybe Trey Schultz, like, you know, knows these people. Like, he grew up with someone like Tyler you know, and someone like Emily and like, he's known people like Tyler's dad, but these characters to me were, were just, they, you know, I kind of maybe knew of these kind of archetypes distantly, but they're not like people from my life. You know, there wasn't any, there wasn't any like touchstone for me in this movie that I was able to like really easily grab onto. So for me to kind of get the emotional payoff from that second act, I have to kind of like understand how Emily got there and you know like the mm. first half didn't tell me anything about Emily so I didn't you know have that and then like the montages because I don't really know anyone like Emily and the first half of the movie didn't really tell me anything about Emily like they weren't really kind of like the reconstruction of like her relationships that I needed to see to kind of get what was going on in in any sense but the most like factual like yes she is now going on a date and that seems to be progress. Um, so, well, Hank, I feel like I knew everybody in that movie, and I still kind of—I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, so, like, like the the Emily story. You know, okay, let's let's talk about the scene where they, you know, I presumably both lose their virginity, the two the two kids, right? And we see the whole thing in all the excruciating teenage awkwardness <laughs> that you could expect, right? And it's like. It's like, I'm pretty sure we've all been in high school. I'm pretty sure we've all been teenagers. Do we really need to watch that? Is that really going to help us understand her boyfriend coming to terms with his father's death and the relationship he has with his father, right? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And and yeah, I guess I guess that's all I had to say it was just that like every scene I watched, I was I felt like, yeah, I could see this happening. And yeah, this would suck. Or yeah, that is what that would look like. But I don't know. It just It just to have such a terrible traumatic thing happened in the middle of the movie like you you really got to butter me up before you put me through that you know and and i i didn't get it i didn't get it maybe it maybe it's just me i'm not a big fan of like i said i'm not a big fan of tragedies i like you know i like coriolanus some people don't i like i, I like lear but yeah, rome you know a lot of the other like shakespearean tragedies is just what i'm picking in this moment i really don't like them there's only a couple of shakespearean tragedies that i really like and that's fucking shakespeare right that's like there's a lot else going on that's not just the tragedy when that's happening right so that's that's what it almost takes for me to tolerate a tragedy so yeah no i agree maybe I'm... I'm just sensitive maybe i can't take it maybe this is a me thing guys I maybe think... keegan maybe it's i'm not comfortable enough to cry in a theater the last time i cried in a theater was titanic when i was like five <laughs> I, w I went with my friend's family big family i was the only non-family member there and i'm seeing my friends and their siblings like being held by their parents when you know rose and jack are on the the door at the end and everybody's crying and i'm crying and i'm all alone and there's no one there to no parent there to comfort five-year-old taylor watching titanic so maybe that's what it is keegan maybe you're more in touch and more secure with that and this is a me problem look whether it's in touch or not i am historically 
kind of infamous movie crier. I just rewatched Frozen <laughs> 2 last weekend, and I cried twice on the rewatch. So this is, I don't know if, if Waves is particularly special by, by making me cry, but I will say it made me cry in a different way than Frozen 2, maybe. But, I, you know, I cry in a, in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. and, I actually, I don't know if this is a spoiler, I did I did tear up in uh, Ryan the Last Dragon, so we'll talk about that next week as well. Okay, okay. Oh, well, I'm man. curious now. Wait. Um, Keegan, I just got to sit with the fact that you cried during Frozen 2 a little bit. I just need to. Did you not cry during either Frozen movie? I've never seen the Frozen yeah, movies. Me yeah, you're out of your fucking yeah. mind. Jesus. All right. We got Tremors and Frozen coming up, guys. <laughs> yeah, so I guess uh, I've only ever cried during one movie, and I feel compelled to throw it in here because it's an entertaining Hank fact. Um, that, uh, that movie was Avengers Endgame. Cried oh, when sure. Iron Man died. Only movie oh, yeah. I've ever cried on. So, yeah. Well, okay. Can oh, I I'll cry you? at home, just not in theaters. Oh, well, so I was you, in okay. Theaters. So you, you cry movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll cry in a movie, no problem. I got no problem with that. But in theaters, in front of other people, my God, no, I would never do that. Oh, it was crazy. So Karen and I saw Frozen two in theaters, and it's just kids not crying, and then me crying like, <laughs> in an IMAX theater. <laughs> Oh man! Wait, okay, I, we so need wait. to do we need to do a live review of Tremors where we critique it, and then we also need to do a movie that Keegan's gonna cry during. <laughs> it's got to be the least likely one. It's got. <laughs> it might be Tremors Six. I don't know. We'll see. Wait. <laughs> yeah, it's the same movie. Keegan's gonna cry during Tremors Six. <laughs> wait, Hank. If okay, can I ask? So if you cry during Endgame, I'm assuming spoilers for a freaking three year old movie that everyone has seen. If you, I mean, I'm assuming it's it's the Tony scene, right? Oh yeah. Wait no. Yeah. No, okay. It so was, uh, it was uh, the funeral scene. Oh, okay, that's fair. So I mean, oh really? That's actually kind of surprising because I I feel like everyone it's it's the real I am Iron Man snap, right? I think that's usually what that's when I cried. Oh, yeah. I fucking bawled during but that I, one. I I don't think that's as tearjerker as Peter Parker in Infinity War. I if anything is going to make me cry Infinity in Avengers, War. It's, it's that. What? Oh no! Infinity, I, I, I cried I during Infinity, Infinity Wars too. War. Um, so you f- further background the first half. <laughs> uh, so f- some full background here. This is going to be embarrassing, Hank. And we'll get back to waves after this. So you know, skip the next thirty or so seconds if you're more interested in waves. But yeah, no. So uh, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe movies I've seen are Iron Man, Iron Man Two, The Avengers, and The Avengers Endgame. <laughs> So, so it's just the Tony <laughs> show for you. It's just all Iron Man, and then he dies. <laughs> yeah, so he just... And then they're at his funeral, and I'm like, oh, shit, I guess he's actually dead this time. Um, well, that's I why can't... Hank's never going to watch WandaVision, because he's like, what's the point? The main guy of the whole movie <laughs> franchise is gone. There's nobody else. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Wow. So anyway, I'm trying. I gotta think. I'm gonna next next week. I'm gonna come back to you with uh, the movie that will reliably make me cry. I gotta think about what it is though. But I I feel like there's gotta be one where you just like even say the name of it, and I'm gonna start getting a little a little watery, a little misty. I think at this point it's basically just it, yeah. I think we're all just trying to break Hank for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we just gotta find a Tony Stark movie, and Hank will be balling in no time. <laughs> Oh, he's a bad boy, but he gets it together in the end. <laughs> His redemption reminds me of the actor. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's oh, get back man. to waves before we lose. Uh, yeah, rotating reels is off the yeah, is off the off the rails insane. right now. Uh, 
I don't know if you guys have much else. I think right before we get into final thoughts, one of the things I want to call out, I think, Hank, you talked about the cinematography at the beginning. And it's crazy. I mean, it's like you can't, it's another thing that you can't talk about without getting into spoilers. But man, the cinematography just like really, I've never seen a movie that so closely has the cinematography follow the narrative. And so I didn't know this until, again, I, I read it on the IMDb page, but that first scene where Tyler and his girlfriend are driving on the truck and he has his foot out the window and they're rapping together. It's it's the widest the movie's going to get. It's the most like it's the most uh, coverage you're going to get in the shot. And as the movie progresses, the widescreen progressively gets smaller and smaller and smaller and kind of gives you tunnel vision. And then when he kills his girlfriend, it's 4 by 3 and it's it's not a 4 by 3 expanded. It's locked in with black on all rims. And then, you know, as you're moving along with Tyler, the lighting is always red. It's dark. It's it's kind of oppressive feeling. You like you feel like you're in a night like a, an angry nightclub for most of Tyler's arc. And then as you get into like <laughs> after it switches, it's you know, you're moving and increasingly the, the scope is getting wider and wider and wider. And it's all blues and it's it's very calming and like it's accepting and it follows the narrative of Emily's arc a lot better too. So, you know, on, on rewatch, that was one of the things that I was super impressed by as well. You know, I I wasn't crying this time as much, so I could I could see the movie a little more clearly. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't have to watch it. You know, it wasn't just a blur of color through the tears. But yeah, no, to be clear. Yeah, the aspect. Oh, just to be Go clear, ahead. you know, have my qualms with the movie, but visually, absolute feast. You get like yeah. beautiful color work, a variety of different aspect ratios. You get some awesome moving shots, you know, like camera rotating. Yeah. You get some follow shots. Like visually i don't know of many movies i've seen that have done better than this you know i struggle to name one and i'm not even going to try to name one off the top of my head because i think that they fucking hit it with the uh yeah. the visuals yeah. in this movie yeah. florida's i mean i was frustrated because nice. i was like oh sorry go ahead oh man go go to go to go to florida south florida sometime that's what it looks like i don't believe that's you. The, the the craziness the oh, kids God. going to prom in the like everybody yeah the whole thing but um <laughs> I was frustrated because I was like, so much talent is in this movie at every level. The acting is incredible, and this is the story we're going to tell with it. I was like, so all this talent for this purpose? It just it, – it was a little frustrating to me. But, Keegan, if there are more people out there like you that really felt the second act redeemed the the first half – excuse me, not act um, – then all the, all the more power to him because the, everybody that was involved in making that movie did – a, a masterwork really i mean it's it's really incredible to watch if you just don't pay attention to the plot <laughs> <laughs> is it are you guys just not shocked that this was i mean snubbed completely by every major award it was not talked about at all i mean you know narrative gripes aside how in 2019 in the movie when we had parasite right like we were having this kind of progressive year of, of opening our eyes a little bit and looking at movies that maybe aren't so you know major disney movies I, I it's just shocking to me that there was no pop culture buzz around this movie yeah no actually i'm pretty shocked by that too because like you know personal gripes aside it seems like great oscar bait you know like yeah. it's like it's it's got the technical side it's got the writing side it's got a cast that you know is like they're not necessarily like an all-star cast but a fantastic cast with a couple names in it you know like yeah. i i, I, I I can't say anything more than that. It's just, it seems like it should have gotten that attention, even in, you know, I don't know. Maybe everyone is just exactly like me, and they're like, yeah, but the plot didn't hold up all the the way through. (laughs) (laughs) No, that clearly the Oscars don't care about that. Um, But 
I think I hate to say it, but I feel like if the movie had grabbed one of the low hanging branches, like the opioid epidemic, or they made it they involved class or, or race or something more, I think it would have gotten more attention. Mm-hmm. And in in a lot of ways, I actually was very happy that they tied in these things that are important stories right now, but didn't make it the centerpiece of the movie. I was just so impressed with that. But at the same time, I think that's a really great way to get a lot of attention for your movie is is to pick one of those hot button issues and yeah. devote a little more time to it. So Yeah, and you know, especially like we mentioned it in the same breath as Parasite. Parasite's a great movie. I love Parasite. But you know, it's about social issues. And this movie is like there are social issues involved, but it's it's a much more personal movie. You know, like you can't really yeah. scale up what's happening to any real degree. It's it's about these people. It's not about some wider spread like like to some extent it is but you know like there's not like a widespread epidemic of wrestling stars like abusing opioids (laughs) and killing their girlfriends like if there was it'd be all over the news yeah yeah Yeah. save those for the football movies mostly yeah Yeah. and that's why i think that if they had had something about that pivotal pivotal moment of the tragedy if something about that had somehow had some more depth to it i mean the fact that it was an accident it's it's really beefs up the tragedy element of it because you're like well that had no fucking point and now this guy's life and this whole family's life and that girl's life is ruined right but yeah uh, i just i just feel like you need a little something more to really make it have really grasp people so so it seems like we're we're approaching on final thoughts here am i reading the room yeah i think absolutely yeah you want to kick us off um, yeah, so overall, I have some personal narrative gripes with the movie, but to be fair, I'm a genre fan, and I'm, like, not a huge fan of, like, these big kind of, like, literary narratives all the time. So, you know, could be a personal thing. I think technically the movie is a masterclass beginning to end. Would thoroughly recommend it. And uh, if I had to pick a rating for <laughs> it, I'd probably say, like, six meaty head slaps out of seven. You know what? I give it. Sorry to cut you off. I actually I had that thought this morning because I was brainstorming. I'm like, shit. What am I gonna do for my rating scale? And I was like, oh, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) I applaud you for having the gall. Uh, I'd give it six out of seven pegboard circuits. That's a wrestling thing from Spirit Quest. So if you want to tune into Spirit Quest, that's going to be our next week movie. We're all wrestling all the time now. Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I it's it's I actually feel bad about you know I'd probably give it like an eighty percent, and I feel really bad about that because so much of the movie is honest to god incredible. The the camera work, the color, the sound, the sound really is what stood out to me. Yeah. Um, the use of contemporary music. That one. Uh, there, Tyler's, you know, kind of losing it at the party, and he's singing Kanye West, "I Am a God." I just thought it was so perfect for the mood and everything else. Um, but nah, man, I just, I just, if you're gonna make me feel really, really terrible, I want something more out of that, right? I'm not gonna willingly submit myself to that unless you buy me dinner first or <laughs> something else. So, yeah. So that's eighty percent for me. Cool. All right. 
I'll wrap us up here. Um, again, I love this movie. I said last week this is like one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. I don't give a shit about family drama movies. This is it's just completely not my wheelhouse, but completely took me by surprise. And I, I, I this is a movie that I would say every six months I come back and revisit. It's not that old, so no shit. Take really? that, you know, take that for what it is. But uh, you know, maybe if I'm it just it, it catches me in a mood. Uh, and you know, there's not much else on the Showtime app, so <laughs> I'll, I'll check back in with it. But. <laughs> I think we've we've done enough to talk about like how great technically it is. I think, you know, it's a movie that when I watched it, like really to me just stood out to me uh, and I think maybe less to these guys, but it, as being really hopeful and inspiring. And I think as tough as that first part is to watch, I guess it didn't bring me down as much uh, relative to how kind of positive and uplifting that second half is to me personally and you know it made me think about who i am as a person it recontextualized a lot of my relationships and i just wanted to think of like how can i be this this emily presence in a lot of people's lives and and when things happen like this can i choose the forgiveness route so you know not a lot of movies i can say really made me think about my myself and my my role in different relationships that i have across family and friends so that's you know a pretty poignant thing to me again i i got choked up really when i was talking about it but i don't want to allude to any way that my relationship was violent with my father he was a violent alcoholic my dad was a phenomenal dad there was just you know things that a lot of you know teenagers and, and young adults hold against their parents that are very unfair and i think that's a thing that a lot of young people go through um so so you don't want to draw a one-to-one comparison. Maybe that it's too far into the podcast. People have stopped listening. But again, uh, I, I just think the death of a father is a very, like, it's, it's something that sticks out to me a lot in movies and, and really kind of pulled me in. So, uh, yeah, no, if I had to give it a rating, I would give it a 10 out of 10 bathtub cries. <laughs> <laughs> Which both bathtub of our main characters Bathtub cries are a good do. cry. It's yeah. true. And, you know, both both good cries look, they look and, cathartic. Yeah. Well, I guess and, Emily's you know, well, more you're already, than, um... <laughs> It's because you're already wet. That's why. Yeah, know? it's all just tears in the tub, you know, as Blade Runner said. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we have... Uh, well, thanks, guys. What? And Keegan, ah, I, like, even though I didn't week. love... Even though I didn't love the movie, I like being forced to watch movies I wouldn't otherwise watch. And this definitely ticks that box. So I am very glad for the experience. Cool. No, I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, even at a technical level, if there's you know, narrative gripes. Similarly, like I said, I, I felt the same way about uh, uh, Suspiria. So I think I just said Disturbia earlier. But uh, we have a review for next week. <laughs> so we're going to be doing the new movie, uh, the new Disney Pixar movie, Raya and the Last Dragon, which just came out on Disney+. Plus. Um, the IMDb blurb here in a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined earth inhabited by an ancient civilization, a warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. Uh, like I said, it's on Disney plus and that's what we will be watching. So thank you. Everyone Wait, did you for say listening. an anxious civilization? Anxious? Ancient. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Sorry. Sorry. We're wrapping up, wrapping up. Sorry. Neurotic civilization, but should be good. <laughs> I think it'll be a good conversation. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, everyone. They're nervous about the dragons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited for that one. So uh, looking forward to next week. And thanks, thanks from me for listening, everyone.